And at this time, I'd like to invite our speaker for today, a man who is growing and learning right along with us in truth. Please welcome Reverend Dr. Patrick Cameron. Thank you, Brian. We're going to sing and... Did you turn it down? Okay. This is a song by ACDC. <laughs> Not this week, but maybe next. Yeah. moment one life spirit's life living spirit that life is my life and so what I know in this moment upon that consciousness of of song and that welcome to return to the authentic self to the true self I know that each and every one of us responds to that beautifully powerfully and wonderfully and to know that our true self is emerging here and now we activate it through our words Our thoughts activated by the spoken word. And so what I affirm in this moment is know that I am abundantly resourced in every good way for the articulation and the sharing and the offering of this day of the perennial truth. I bless our musicians. I bless every person here that has brought us together this day. 
for the evolution of this planet and the outpicturing of consciousness and the shoulders of all the avatars that we stand upon. I give thanks, knowing something powerful and wonderful is having its way by means of us as we open to it and allow it to guide us, lead us, love us, instruct us, and bless us. With that said, knowing it is already done in the mind of the one, and my yes is all that is required, I give thanks, and together we say, and so it is. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you, Karen. Brian, Brian, Brian. He's all lit up before he plays, and then he lights up even more after he plays. So, Thank you, Brian. Your joy is infectious. I was in... Uh, I left on Monday, so I, I was, I'm catching up a bit. It f- feels like the wind spear was just yesterday. I left on Monday and I went down to uh, Phoenix for a training with Marcia Sutton. And Marcia's a lady that has spent the last 25 years... Um, doing spiritual practice in prayer and meditation and developing uh, what we, we currently call a co-creation process. So if you come to a sacred healing circle, that's a small piece of, of the information that, that, uh, that uh, Marcia has revealed over the last uh, number of years. One of the things that uh, when I got to the retreat, there was a training and there were about 15 of us and I was the newbie. Everyone else had been with Marcia for the past 12, I think 12 years was the next person. And it was my first training, and I didn't know it, but as we were sitting there, she said, uh, there's a reason that we're here. But Marcia hadn't personally taught the training in, in uh, about 10 years. She's got other people that she's equipped, and, and they're doing the facilitation, but Marcia hadn't done it. And so I'm sitting next to Kathy Hearn, who had been with us this past year to do a co-creation with our, our uh, leadership. And she said, the reason we're here is because of, of Kathy Hearn and Patrick. And I'd never spoken to Marcia in my life. So I thought, well, this is interesting. And I'm thinking, well, maybe she really knows deep down how much I need this, is what she's talking about. And, um, but it turns out that when Kathy Hearn had come to I'll back up a little bit at Asilomar last year, I knew that this was a process that seemed appropriate for us with the things that were going on here. So I asked Ken Gordon. Ken Gordon actually said, because Ken's a very close friend of mine, he said, you should do a co-creation. I said, well, why don't you come and do it? He said, sure, I'll do that. And so we were having breakfast that morning, and we were trying to figure out what to do. And Ken is our past president. And it turns out he couldn't come for like seven or eight months. I said, no, no, we need to do it sooner than that. And across the table was Dr. Kathy Hearn, who was our spiritual leader at the time, has since stepped down, and Ken has assumed that role. And I said, Kathy, I went over across the table and said, could you come? And she looked at her calendar and said, yes, I can. And um, so we invited her here. We did the process. And as a result of that, um, my wife, Laura, called Marcia and said, we would like to, to train more of our people in this. in this. How do we do this? And in that call, Marcia realized, because what she'd done about 10 years ago, she stopped um, the training. She really wanted to introduce it, and over a period of time, she wanted to introduce it to our movement. And she said, I realized the consciousness wasn't there yet. The, the work hadn't been done. And uh, she said, I knew when I got the call from Edmonton and from Kathy Hearn, and then I spoke with Lloyd, her partner's Lloyd Strom. And Lloyd and, Ka- and uh, Marcia put together... I have, a, I have a binder about this thick of homework to do before I go back. And they said, uh, we prayed on it, and we knew now's the time. So I just think it's really wonderful how things work. And if, we, if Ken Gordon had come and done the thing with us, it would have been wonderful, but we wouldn't have had, because Kathy has been studying with Marcia for years and years. 
And so there's a number of things I want to share with you today, but I can't share them all, so I'll share them over the next several weeks around the co-creation. But it's powerful, powerful, powerful stuff. I will share a bit of my own process with you because uh, um, I think it's relevant and, uh, and my own experience spending time with, with Marsha. We have also been, we've selected this book, Dying to Be Me, which is a wonderful story about Anita Morjani who had uh, uh, lymphatic cancer and went into a coma eventually after four years and her experience of passing through that, that into that fourth dimension and her, her experiences with it and how it changed her so radically. One of the things in, in talking about consciousness and the evolution of consciousness, I think one of the reasons that, that she was able to come back, have the experience come back and, and, and share with us so beautifully is that she was immersed in a variety of cultures. In other words, she was born Hindu, she, she was born in Bombay, and then her family moved to Hong Kong, and so she was exposed to the, the Hindu tradition, she was exposed to the Chinese tradition, and she was also immersed in, in, through education in the Western tradition. And she talks about that. She talks about, they ask her questions at the end of the book, what do you think healed you? And she said, well, when I was in, uh, she went to India to, to, to get some work done with the Ayurvedic tradition, which is the Hindu tradition of the totality of the body. And she said it seemed to work there because it was all supported. The belief system around me supported it, the modality supported me, the, the culture supported it. And when she moved back to Hong Kong, she struggled a bit. But it's interesting how the environments we're in and the people around us uh, can help add so much because we are all in communication. One of the things that, that I get out of this book and when we were doing the work with Marsha, Marsha Sutton is, um, uh, has taken what I believe Ernest Holmes' work to a, a depth that is uh, just amazing. She's what I would call, a, um, she's a true mystic. Uh, Lloyd Strom, her partner she writes with and prays with every day, is now a hermit. He comes out, as she said, he goes to doctor appointments once in a while, but for eight years he's pretty much just stayed in his home and he does prayer work and he's writing and writing. And a lot of the material he, she shared that I brought back is brand new, stuff that they've come up with. But they say, you know, the consciousness is right for it now. And, um, uh, but to be in that environment with such powerful consciousness of people that have done such deep work is um, amazing. A couple of the things that are required when you do it is, number one, you have a mentor. You have a personal mentor that you work with. And so every once a month I work with my mentor. And number two is that everyone engaged in it is a tither. You're required to tithe. You're, sp- you're required to give 10% somewhere. And, and part of that is, which, and she shared it so beautifully when we were there. Alice Bailey was a wonderful teacher and writer at the beginning of the century. And Alice said that until people get financially free, they cannot progress spiritually. Until people get financially free, they cannot progress spiritually. And so we asked uh, Tamara to come up and share her experience with Prosperity Plus. But what I know about this, and I watch limitation, and I watch people uh, move through our community, that until we're free financially, and this doesn't mean until we reach a certain level of, of prosperity, but it's just simply being free about supply. To understand in this moment there's enough. There's enough. We're all here right now. We are fully supported right now. But there's so much. My meditation when I was a building contractor and a cabinet maker, my meditation on the way to work, I had a clipboard and I'd write out who owed me money, who I owed money, and then I would do the subtraction. And then somebody, I'd go, oh, yeah, there's so-and-so. I'd write that in and write that in. I would count. It was my meditation. And it was the consciousness I counted with that had everything to do with it. But it's interesting. And, I, and it's easy to get into that mindset. So my, count, my counting was motivated by worry. Until we get financially free, we cannot progress spiritually. And, and Prosperity Plus is just one doorway. 
Um, Marcia talks about it. She's had opportunity after opportunity to step into larger work. She's been called to do formal community like we're doing. And she said, I've always turned it down. Because she said, once I started doing this work and I started doing the writing, and once she said, you truly start to live from joy and freedom, there's nothing else that's important. And you get that when you're around her. She said, joy and freedom. See, that's what I want for me and that's what I want for everyone. Joy and freedom. And it's, it's, it's such a beautiful... Ble- I felt so blessed to be there in that room with those people. Marcia said, there's two kinds of people in our lives. And this is actually from Peggy Bassett, but she, she, she's an amazing woman. She said, there's lovers and there's teachers. Lovers and teachers. Sometimes our teachers want to be our lovers. Yeah. Lovers and teachers. She said the real law of attraction, because the law of attraction is very popular, and I love uh, Esther Hicks' work on it. The law of attraction, what it really does at, the, at its finest level is it brings people, brings into us the people we don't like so we can choose to see them with new eyes. That's the real law of attraction. It's not about making life easier. It's about we do the, the optimal amount of work here so that we can continue to evolve our souls. Um, Anita Marjani said it. She said that what I realize is that we're here to experience and evolve this physical universe and our own lives within it. We are here to evolve this physical universe and our own lives within it. And I made my decision to return because she had an opportunity to leave when she was in a coma. And the guidance she got was, you can stay or go, it's your choice. And she said, no, I need to go back and do this work. I realized that, the, that life here is, was the most desirable state for me at, at this time. We don't have to wait until we die to experience nirvana. We don't have to wait until, until we die to experience nirvana. Nirvana, heaven, our true magnificence exists right now. And what happens for us, it's been my experience and the experiences that I've, I've worked with people over the years, is that we have stories, we have, we have uh, life and experiences that, that layer over who and what we are. And so it's very difficult at times to, to reveal that magnificence because there's been, there's been things that have happened. Things that happen, and then all of a sudden we, be, we, we, can, we start to live from that story. Marcia used the example, and I know it's, it's a popular idea, but she said that as our fears are dissolved, as our fears are dissolved, and really the spiritual practice is, is shedding off and burning off the fears. As our fears are dissolved, the obstacles in our lives are removed, and the opportunity is provided for the newness of spirit to reveal itself as an experience of heaven on earth. So when, when an iceberg is, when the, the, she uses the term Jesus Christ a lot because she said Jesus Christ is a principle, not a man. So you're in the room, there's no doubt in her mind. But for many of us, that, that, that uh, connotes something that's uncomfortable for us. She said use the living spirit if that works for people. But it's a consciousness. And she said as that light of the Christ consciousness shines upon the iceberg, it begins to melt. And as it melts, more of it comes to the surface. And that's part of the co-creation. So I'm in the co-creation with Marsha. We get there the first night. And, and if you come to the Sacred Healing Circle, it's exactly what we're doing. And we're going to begin to do more of them because I've got a lot of homework to do, so I need your help. Uh, but it's very, very powerful. It's very powerful. And, and the depth at which she teaches it from and explains it, it, it just, uh, it, it's just mind-boggling what she, what she shared with us. But what, what we did is we did a process, and for me, you know, when you, when you do the sacred healing circle, you focus on one thing. You go back, we do a little guided meditation, and something will bubble up for you. And so what bubbled up for me was a, a remembrance of my father. 
And a lot of my work is around my, my mother and my father, which most of our work is. Um, and so uh, something came up, and I said, okay, that's, that's alive, and I wrote it down. And she said, now, when you go to bed tonight, ask to be guided and what's, what's important to know, what's important to do. So as I'm going to bed, I did my prayers, and I, I went to sleep. And throughout the night, uh, every remembrance I had of my father came up. Not just one, every one. Now, my father was a, I love my dad. I've made, I, I have, I'm, I'm complete with my father in terms of, of um, any unresolved resentment or anger or frustration. I, I, I love him and I support him. But in asking this, um, memories that I hadn't even remember came up. So I had a, like a stack of memories. So I went back the next day and I said, Marsha, what do I, you know, I, I should ask this because if I'm going to do this work. Someone's probably going to come to me and ask me this one day. And she said, oh, I'm so glad you asked that. Because I described her. I said, I've got this list. And she said, Werner Earhart. And Werner was the one that founded EST, which is now Landmark Forum. Werner called it a stack. And when you pull out one at the bottom of the stack, that's why we work with the earliest memory, the whole stack collapses. And I thought, yes! Because ah. <laughs> you go through this, the prayer process, the prayer releasing process. You know, when we do it, and, and when you do the, the prayer, it's, 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 this is the earthly plane. So what we ask is, I release my belief, and I've done something wrong. I release my belief in being sad. And I'm so grateful that God is the love I am. We look up. We lift our eyes. This is Emma Curtis Hopkins. You look up, and you bring heaven to here. So it's releasing the earthly plane, and it's inviting the heavenly plane. And it's very powerful. And, and people are asked to do it seven, for seven days. I got this clear now. 70 times a day for seven days. And uh, Marsha has clickers. They buy them at Staples. Everybody had their clicker. I didn't. I've been doing it for 10 minutes. <laughs> but I, I thought it was wonderful. And then she shared something. She said, until we are complete. So this is, I'm just telling you my revelations on this. Until we are complete with our earthly father, until we, we, we clean all that stuff up, we pull the layers back, we cannot be in high relationship with our heavenly father. And I thought, oh my gosh. Oh, thank you. And then what she said is that, and, and the same with our mothers. Our mothers are, the, mothers are the, the evolution of the soul. Our mothers are all about the evolution of the soul. But to complete the work with them and to do the work, and then she said that when we read Ernest Holmes or we read Emma Curtis Hopkins or we read sacred text or we, we read the Bible, the reason when we go back to it and we see it in a new way, because I've always said, geez, every time I pick up the, new, the Science of Mind textbook, it's new. And she said, well, the reason for that is because Ernest Holmes is still alive and his consciousness is still evolving. And so there's new consciousness that's being impressed upon the words. It's, just a, it's not just words and text on the page. There's a consciousness there. And the same is true of the, of the Old and New Testament. The consciousness of Jesus, the Christ, is still evolving. Uh, oh, my God, I never thought of it like that. So then what they, she said was that, so with your father, you can pray for his continued evolution. And I thought, oh, gosh. I'm so, oh, thank you, God. I am just because what you want to do is extend love. So what do we do with our ancestors? I mean, the natives have it. When you go into a sweat lodge, you, all, all, my, all my relations. I've been to one sweat lodge. My first and last sweat lodge, as a matter of fact. <laughs> my teacher, Reverend Catherine Yates, we had her, they had her memorial on Friday. And she said, we're all going to go to a sweat lodge. And everybody want to go. And I'm, yeah, let's all go. And I go. And I, have, I was so hot, I was afraid I wasn't going to pass out. Oh. I, there were 25 of us crammed in this little sweat. It was supposed to be eight of us. So 25 people showed up. Oh, my God. I was crammed in the corner. I was bent in half like a pretzel. I thought, I'm sure they'll find me eventually. 
and she never showed up. I go back to class that week. I said, Catherine, where were you? She said, oh, I hate being hot. <laughs> oh, I see. We can go, but you don't go. All right. Lovers and teachers. And, and Reverend Catherine Yates was, was a, a teacher, wonderful teacher. Marcia said that healing is a slow-motion miracle. Healing is a slow-motion miracle. It's just a process. But she said that a miracle is an instantaneous healing. Oh, I like that. What happened with, with uh, Anita Morjani in this book, she had an instantaneous healing. She went through the veil and she saw everything. And she heard everything and she, was, and she realized we're all one. We are all one. We're all connected. I mean, we are a mystical te- We're practical mystics. You know, the intuition that comes to us. What called us all together for this, this thing with uh, Marcia Sutton? What called Kathy Hearn to come here and do this work with us? Because it's time. The consciousness is there. Jesus of Nazareth emerged on this planet and his story was retained and his legend and his consciousness continued to evolve because the consciousness that went before it helped create, helped create what could, wanted to happen. And we are created in that image and likeness. And so for us to continue to peel back the layers of this stuff... See, as long as I'm dragging my dad along, I mean, my, I, I got to tell you what happened. So I'm doing this work, and one of the memories I had about my dad was we were on a boat one time. I was about 14 years old, and we didn't have a big boat. It was rented, okay? My dad never owned a boat. But we would go up to this lake in northern Minnesota, and we'd go fishing. And so one day I said, God, you know, could I drive the boat? We're coming back. And there's a little outboard motor and a little 16-foot boat. And he says, yeah, go ahead. Now, my dad was not the, the gentlest, calmest guy. And he liked to yell... And a lot of times when he was yelling, he liked to hit. And if my dad were a little, he would have been in timeout a lot, but he was the dad. So anyway, so I'm driving the boat and I'm weaving, right? I've never done it before and I'm, I'm, my arms are moving a little bit. And finally he gets frustrated. He stands up, walks back, hits me a few times and calls me a few uh, um, names, let's say. And then I just stopped. And what I wanted to do at the time was hit him with the oar or jump out and just swim to shore and walk back because I, you know, I just didn't want to be around him. But, you know, you just, he, was a, he was an imposing guy and, and, and all that. But what happened was I had this memory so clearly. I hadn't thought about it in years. Marcia said, go back, work. And all of a sudden, I had the memory of the boat and my dad. And I'm like, oh, I forgot all about that one. And, of course, then you have the feelings come up and you're, oh, geez. <sighs> you know, and, it, and, it, and, it, and because it's still, it's still in there. So I go through the process with Marcia and friends of ours that are members of the community have a place in, in uh, Arizona. And they come to get me the day after and we go boating. <laughs> I never said a word, but we go boating. So we get to the place, we put the boat in the water and, and it was, I just thought, oh, this would be nice, a nice way to, because I, I was taking the plane back that evening and they had bought a new pontoon boat. And he said, uh, Ron said to me, do you want to drive? I said, sure, if you don't hit me. <laughs> but I just thought, isn't it fascinating? And it was just, it was just, it was, and so that, that few hours of driving the boat was kind of this full circle. And I just thought, and I never said anything to him. I didn't tell him the story. You know, we were buzzing along. And, and, uh, but I just thought, isn't it interesting how spirit works in your life? And so to peel back those layers, I share that with you because I think we all have. And, and so the, the, as Marcia said, it's layer after layer to, to peel back. But every time we do it, we become a little lighter. 
And eventually it's joy and freedom. It's joy and freedom. You know, we got up, Laura and I got up this morning, and I'm just so, I'm just so mindful of the power of prayer. Marcia said that what we hear, we forget. What you, you'll, you'll remember about 10% of this. What you hear, you'll forget. What you see, you remember. So if I had visuals up there, I used to do a lot of PowerPoint stuff. When we first got it, I was like a kid with a new toy. And people say, I hate that PowerPoint. Stop that. But, but there's ways that what we see, we remember. But what we say, we become. What we say, we become. What we say, we become. So that's why the vision statement, when Tamara said the vision statement in Prosperity Plus, with, with Marcia, it's a sacred vow. They're the same thing. This, this day, I am a reflection of the living spirit of the infinite intelligence in and through and as my life. And everything that is unlike that I is eradicated and dissipated. And if there's something to, for me to know about it, I demand it be made clear to me so that I may deal with it right here and right now. I bring it into the light so it be, might be melted by my consciousness. But if we don't say those things out loud and we think them, we don't become it. That's why speaking our prayer out loud is so powerful. And when Marcia said that, I thought, oh my God, how did I forget that? You know, I'll drive around town all day long, silently praying. But it's just more noise in my head. I sat with, with my beloved wife this morning. We held hands and we just prayed. What you hear, you forget. What you see, you remember. What you say, you become. Oh, there's kingdoms of consciousness. And Marcia and Lloyd have done all this work around kingdoms of consciousness. The, the first kingdom, you, to move out of the first kingdom, which is victimization, you have to give up victimization. The second kingdom is a personal consciousness where everything is done by us. But to move to the third kingdom, she said, everything has to become undone. And so it's removing those pieces, piece by piece, doing the work, whatever it takes for all of us. But it's such a beautiful, powerful thing. Then you become, you become the sacred temple, and you are that. But as Marjani said, I didn't die until I realized how magnificent I was. I didn't, she came back. She, had this, she didn't have that slow healing. She, 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 had the, she had the instantaneous healing. I don't want to get cancer and die to have that healing. I want to do my work. And the, the joy of discovery, the revelation. Marcia calls it the wonders along the way. Powerful, powerful stuff. Two kinds of people, lovers and teachers. Ernest Holmes, and, and it's easy. She talks about the fear in here. I wanted to read that to you. She talks about fear. Um, She said, I, don't, I feel differently after my near-death experience. I know I'll go on living this beyond this plane, and I don't fear physical death anymore. I've lost my desire to be anywhere but the place I am now. Sometimes, sometimes when we see someone who's really upbeat, effervescent, and kind, of, and, and kind but whose life is crumbling, we may think, see, this, being positive, this thing doesn't work. Look at their life. She said, but here's the issue. We don't know what that individual's inner dialogue is. We don't know what other people are telling themselves day in and day out or whether they're emotionally, they're emotionally happy. And most important, we don't know whether they love and value themselves. 
because of what I realized in my near-death experience, I feel it's so important not to have judgment and fear towards myself. Not to have fear and judgment towards myself. We start there. We have to start there. Peel back those layers. How do we stand? And I, I'm drawn to this work by Marcia because she said, I want to stand in love. I want to stand in love all the time. When I forget, I want to come back to standing in the love, first and foremost for myself. She said, I keep telling myself that I'm safe, I'm unconditionally loved, and I'm accepted. Let's say that together. I am safe, I'm unconditionally loved, and I'm accepted. I am safe, I am unconditionally loved, and I'm accepted. I am safe, I am unconditionally loved, and accepted. What if you got up and said that every morning? And said, oh, I've got to go to work. Or, I've got to go find a job so I can go to work. I radiate this energy outward, and, and it's activating. It's reading stuff out loud. It's praying out loud. It's taking Ernest Holmes and reading Ernest Holmes out loud. Ernest Holmes said this. He said, he said if you begin, he's talking about facing our fears, because we all have fears. And we, we can talk ourselves into anything about the world. He said, to begin with, you might follow a simple few rules. First of all, if you are filled with fear, do not harbor them as a great secret in your life. Don't harbor them. Find some close friend or confidant to whom you may unburden your whole soul. Why? Because it will release the tension which your fears have built up in your body. Just to talk with a calm, confident person who can point out the reason why you need not entertain these fears is a great relief. Ernest said, in quotes, see a practitioner. If you sit down with a practitioner and you start telling your story and they start crying with you, just thank them and find another practitioner. That's why we do all this training, to see beyond the appearance. And the next step, he said, is for you to learn to face your fears. You should not be afraid to analyze them and you should explain to yourself just why you know there is nothing to be afraid of. Whenever you find yourself brooding over some fear or entertaining some anxiety, begin at once to do something about it. Don't wallow in it. Because we are, the, the truth of our being is we're always safe. We are eternal. We are eternal beings. We've always been, we'll always be. We are here to, to give birth to a new consciousness on this planet. And it doesn't take a whole bunch. We don't need other people's agreements. It just takes our commitment. When I was at uh, the Windspear uh, uh, last Sunday, we were, we were, and it was a beautiful, beautiful day. Um, and I spent a lot of time, Laura and I spent a lot of time with, with uh, Stefan Mitchell and uh, Craig and Laura Benelli. And I was talking to Stefan, and Stefan has a wonderful song on his CD called Lean, Lean Into Me. I don't know if you've heard it, but it's a wonderful song. And that song was climbing the charts on contemporary Christian music. And, and he was approaching number one with it. And he had just gotten done this great big Christian conference in Seattle. He said he sang to 60,000 people. Standing ovation. He sang Lean Into Me. They loved the song. The DJ that was the, the master of ceremonies that day said, Colin, or Stefan, I want to bring you in uh, to the radio station. I want to interview you. And he said, well, what do you want to talk about? He said, I want you to, te- to tell the audience when you, you turned your life over to Jesus Christ and you were born again. And he went, oh, and so he called his manager, and he said, you know, they want me to talk about being a born-again Christian. And he said, and so 
his manager said, well, Stefan, you've you got to decide. Because this song is going to number one. And this could mean millions of dollars for you. And he called the DJ back and he said, you know, uh, I, I need to tell you that if you interview me, what I'm going to say is that I do honor the life and the, and the tradition of Jesus. But I believe it's beyond that. I believe there's more. And I honor all traditions. And the DJ said, Colin, we're not going to interview you. I'm retracting my invitation. That's not what we want to hear. And they took his song off all of the radio stations and they sent him on his way. But I thought, what an amazing man. What an amazing consciousness. How many times would we stand up to that temptation to sell out because there's something to be gained? And he said, no. He said, I knew I couldn't do that. I knew I couldn't do that. Powerful stuff. So this priest, minister, and a rabbi... They're all buddies, and they go out, and they're going to go to, they're going to go swimming. So they go out to go swimming, and they find this beautiful, isolated place, and they, they all get everything off. They're, going to, they're all going to swim in the nude. They're going to swim in their birthday suits, and they're swimming around, and they're having a great day, and it's a bright, sunny day. And, it's, and there's beautiful berry trees all along the, the, the banks of the lake. And so they get out, and they're standing there, and they're all together in this, and they're eating berries, and they're talking, and they're just having a great time. And all of a sudden, these, these ladies come by. All a, a bunch of group of ladies, like 30 ladies, were hiking by from the town. And so the minister and the priest both cover themselves like this. And the rabbi covers his face. And the ladies go by. And the priest and the minister look at the rabbi and say, why did you cover your face instead of your private parts? And, he said, well, in my community, most people would recognize me by my face. <laughs> I just had to lighten it up a little bit here. My, uh, my teacher, Reverend Catherine Yates, um, she, she made her transition. They did her, uh, uh, had her memorial service yesterday, and I couldn't be there, but I, I sent along a, uh, uh, um, a letter of, of condolences. And, and I started with four of her quotes, or five of her quotes, and uh, after the first service, people asked me, but I've, I hear them over and over in my head, and Catherine was my teacher. She was a wonderful teacher um, and an amazing woman. And she used to always say that if you wait until you feel you're ready, you'll never do it. So go do it. Because I used to always say, I can't be a minister. I can't go do this. And she said, if you wait until you're ready, you're going to be waiting forever. So go do it. She said, you don't have to know the whole story. You only have to be willing to walk through the next door that opens. Are you willing to walk through that door is what matters. She said, if you had, in, Patrick Cameron, if you had intended on being on time, you would have been. Yeah. That's true. So when you arrive late, sit down and take your place. We don't need to spend time listening to your excuse. I love that. I say that in class all the time. Look, if you're late, just come in and sit down. We don't need to hear about it. She used to say, you could come no other way. And why be anywhere you're not loved? We had uh, one night we were in class, I wrote about it here. Reverend Catherine admonished us as a new spiritual practice to stop gossiping. And I'd studied with uh, four other uh, ministerial students uh, Janet Kingsley, Nancy Fuller, um, Teresa Nething, and Jean Flath. And so um, she said, stop gossiping. So we carpooled to church. We lived a long ways away. And uh, 
that evening as on the way home, Janet Kingsley said, so well, now what are we going to talk about? <laughs> and Nancy Fuller said, we'll think of something, Janet, it'll be okay. But I, I just want to share that with you because she was a, an amazing woman, uh, very committed uh, to this, our teaching and to, to giving birth to the new ideas. And if I hadn't spent time, she spent hour and hour and hour with me um, uh, in practitioner work. And whatever I, I say to her to try and convince her I wasn't the person she thought I was, she, would, she just wasn't having any of it. But we all need people in our lives like that. We need to, and, and, and I think we, we need to surround ourselves with the people and the ideas and to speak our words, to speak our prayers out loud. Marcia said, the thing that makes us all one, the thing that makes us all one, everybody has a tongue that's the same color. Everybody has a tongue, all pink, no matter what color your skin is. But we activate it through the spoken word. And I have to tell you, I forget that sometimes. I forget how important that is. And I want to just share with you. So bring things into your life that, and, and, and the vision and the covenants that you make with yourself and speak it out loud. I am the presence of the living spirit here and now. Let's say that. I am the presence of the living spirit here and now. I love myself unconditionally. I love myself unconditionally. I love myself unconditionally. I am so, I'm so grateful God is the love I am. So I am so grateful God is the love I am. And so it is. Blessings.